You know, I love that song because it reminds us that we are not supposed to stay comfortable, that we are supposed to go beyond where comfort is. We're supposed to go where it's uncomfortable. And what a great lead-in this morning to talking about risk-taking mission and service. We are supposed to take risks. It's part of who we are as Christians. It's what we're called to. One of John Wesley's most famous sermons that he gave is called Almost Christians. And he gave this message to the prof- his professors at Oxford University. And in that sermon, he talked about how there are, are many wonderful people in the world. People trying to do the right thing, but whose lives have not been captured by Jesus. You know, we often gather together, we talk and think about accepting Jesus as our Savior, and that's a really important thing. If you don't know Jesus, <laughs> talk to me or, or many of us, Lord. Uh, we, we would love to talk to you about what that, what that is. But this, we, we so often end up looking at this eternal life and this great gift that we have. And then we sit back and we say, well, I've got mine. I'll just wait until Jesus comes back. I'm good. And we forget that there's a whole world out there that doesn't know Jesus. They don't know who he is. They don't know the power that he gives to us to live this life every day. And they need him. Jesus calls us to be about bringing the kingdom of God now. His purpose when he came was to bring the kingdom of God. We are to be kingdom bringers, to be ambassadors for Christ. Mark 1.15, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus telling us, the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is indeed a part. When we accept Jesus, we are part of that kingdom, and we are kingdom bringers. It's a current event. It's a now event. It's, it's what, what happens in this moment. Those have been captured by Jesus. It's the idea of being captured by him, who are being transformed. You can't not tell people about Jesus. You can't not do it. Because you're brought to it. You're called to it. There's a man. I read lots of stories this week. There's a, one of them is a man had donated 88 acres to a group in order to build some housing and to help people get their lives back together. And so the, there was a church group that was going to go out. And the first 10 acres needed to be cleared so that they could put uh, trailers on it, you know, some mobile homes, some places for folks to live. And, and so there were 25 guys from, from this one pastor's church and about... 15, 20 other guys, and they went out there, and they were landscaping and clearing boulders and doing stuff and, and, and making, making the way for, for these things to happen. And the association manager, the, the guy who's in charge of the project, he said, wow, they, some of those guys look like they really know what they're doing. And the pastor thought to himself, he said, some of these guys are like lawyers and doctors, and some of them are laborers and just, you know, uh, work in, in the field, and they're all coming together in this project in the name of God in order to make something happen. And it dawned on him that this is being the church. This is what the church is. It's not this place that we go, and trust me, we are not supposed to do church. Church is not something we do. It's not a place we go. We are supposed to be the church. The church is not, we have a, a, you know, this is a cool facility. This is not church. You and I together are the church. And the church is at its best when we are not 
just here. We come together here to praise God, to the amazing things that he's done, to lift up prayers to him, to, in, to engage with who God is. But at the end of the day, what we do when we leave here is critically, critically important because that's being the church. And it's important for us to be the church. So that group that did all of those things and, and uh, you know, the pictures up here from Nicaragua when we went and, and um, one of the, anytime that you get a, there's one picture that I really like, so uh, I thought I'd throw that in. It really doesn't have anything to do with the story. <laughs> it's why Cindy lets me come to, come as an adult. <laughs> They might, when we're in, this might be being the church. This was being the church in Nicaragua was jumping rope with kids. How cool is that? <laughs> you know? And they let me, by the way. <laughs> Risk-taking service is all about meeting people where they are, meeting people where they are, helping them, and then together discovering where it is that God would have them to be and us to be together this belonging to one another. That's what risk-taking service is. Another story. There's a very traditional church in this town, and, and they were, had their 11 o'clock service, and it was very formal, kind of like us. <laughs> Lots of shirts and ties, and, and, and you had to dress properly and, and to go. This, it was a formal church. Nothing wrong with that, but that's just who they were. And then about two to three minutes after the service starts, there was a gentleman who came in, and he was a young man, and, and it was obvious that he didn't attend that church because he had, like, torn jeans and a T-shirt on, and he comes in, and this place is packed out, so he comes into the back, and he's looking for a seat someplace where he can sit down, and, and he doesn't find one, so he meanders on up the center aisle looking for a seat, and he can't find one, so you know what he does? He just plops down in the, in the aisle, and then the Head elder, 75-year-old gentleman, gets up, starts walking towards him. And the people in the congregation are thinking, after, well, you know, the young man deserves it. You know, he should know better, one, than to come to church dressed like that. And, the other, and then to plop down in the center aisle, I mean, you don't do that in church. And that older gentleman just keeps coming up to him. He finally reaches him. And by now, nobody's paying attention to anything that's going on up here because they're like, okay, what's going to happen? What's he going to do? And he gets there. And he sets his cane down. And he sits down next to the young man. Risk-taking service is all about meeting people where they are. even if it's in the center aisle of a formal church service. Helping them out. And then beyond that, helping them to discover who God would have them to be. And I guarantee you that if we engage in that process, it will help us to discover who God would have us to be. But it's going to require us to take some risks. And some, just like different people have different characteristics, risk-taking churches have some characteristics. And so here's a couple of those. Risk-taking congregations 
don't spend so much time asking how much a program costs versus how much how many people it's going to reach cost is important but it's not the overriding factor how many people are we going to reach we don't talk about seating capacity as much as we talk about sending capacity we are a church that sends people into this community and that's something to grab hold of we're we're engaged in that but we can do more some of us aren't very engaged and i guarantee god's calling touching your heart wanting you to be more engaged and there are many of us i didn't do this in advance so i may not get any hands but if there's anybody in here who's willing to help somebody discover who god would have them to be would you raise your hand take a look around we got people in here you know i am more than willing to do that but we have lots of folks in here who are willing to walk with you as god moves you to a place the place that he would have you to be Be who you are, but be who you are completely for him. Jesus says that we are salt of the earth. In, in, in the book of Matthew, it's, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Any of y'all add salt to food? Come on now. <laughs> Why you do that? Make it taste better. You are the salt of the earth. What should engagement with the, with the church mean? It should make it better. It should make, it, it should make life better. It should make it taste better. It's, you know, it, it's not that, that if, you add, if you don't add salt, then you end up with the same stuff. But we are called to be the salt of the earth. What happens if, if you leave salt in a container and it never uses it? It hardens, right? You ever known any hardened Christians? No. <laughs> Eric's like, no. <laughs> when we lose our saltiness, we lose this ability to flavor life. And it's not your ability and my ability. It's his ability. And he wants to use us in amazing ways. You are the salt of the earth. Be salty. I don't mean that kind of salty. But be, be the flavor adder, additive that we're supposed to be. In, in the lives of those around you. See, Jesus says that we have some responsibility here. It's to engage. It's to reach out. It's to be the salt, to use his power, to, to let God work through us, to impact the lives of many. And this is a powerful, powerful thing. It, in Matthew, and I've used this passage before, but it's critically important. I want to point out something a little bit different this morning. Matthew 25, then the king will say to those on the right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, you gave me clothes. I was sick, you looked after me. In prison, you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did all these things happen? And the king's going to say, whenever you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. See, Jesus tells us to clothe and feed and drink and visit and comfort. And it sounds as though works are our way to righteousness. We've got to do all these things. But I want you to notice verse 37. 
the people who were declared righteous had no idea. They didn't have a a notepad that they were going, okay, I'm going to do this and it's going to earn me brownie points. Cha-check. 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 Wasn't a checklist. They were shocked. They were, well, when did we do those things? And this tells me that when we are captured by Jesus, it's not a matter of having that list. We have an attitude and a lifestyle that says, I'm going to help where I see a need. Not because of some outcome, but because that's what Jesus is calling me to do. I'm going to help. Our righteousness is not found in us, it's found in him. But that righteousness is important. Because the righteous will inherit the kingdom of God. Inherit. How do you inherit? What do you have to do to inherit something? Yeah, yeah, or, or not, you know, but usually. And we are part of the family of God. Amen to that. Do you work at it to get it to get for your inheritance? You just, it's a gift, right? The righteous will earn the kingdom of God, inherit. Inherit the kingdom of God. It's a gift God gives to us. He gives it freely through his grace. Because grace wins every time, right? So much of reaching out to serve those who are in need, so much of taking risks and being salty so that we can transform, see transformation around us has to do with our view of God's grace. If we think of God's grace as something we earn, it's easy for us to be critical of others because then it's up to us, right? I can be critical of you if, if, if you're not doing the right thing, so I can say, well, you know, you've got to do this, this, and this. But when we recognize that God's grace comes to us by God's choice, God extends it. We don't earn it. Then we come at things a little bit differently. We do because of God's movement in us, not because of some outcome that we expect. We reach out in service and love and concern to those in the need because it's the right thing to do. It's just the right thing to do. And I've encountered a lot of folks who are truly engaged in this idea of risk-taking, mission, and service, and I've learned some things along the way. One of the things that's probably critically important is that risk is relative. Did you know that? How many of y'all would it be a risk for you to stand up here and speak to the congregation? It's, it's not a risk for others, right? Risk is relative. Some people, writing a check in order to support some, a ministry out, outlet that we're doing is a risk. Especially if you are, are not, you know, it's not writing out of your excess, but writing sacrificially. That's a risk. And I applaud you for that. I'm with you on that. For others, it might be that I'm going to go on a, 
on an international mission trip to Puerto Rico, of all places. And that's a risk. For others, I have, we have some friends who have uh, children who are in India, and they are missionaries in India right now. That's their risk-taking mission and service. Risk is, a, is relative to where we are and what we, where we're starting. And it's important for us to grab hold of that because that can also change over time. Another thing I've learned is that sometimes things change. Uh, at a church I was at, there was a guy, he was in administration for a long time. It was kind of his giftedness. He was active in the church uh, with the council and different committees and different things. And that was what he did. And, and he was good at that. And then he got involved in, in some hands-on mission work. And after 20 plus years of of administrators that he felt a calling to do something new and something different because God that season it was important for him to do this but now the hands-on mission trip mission work that he was doing in the local community was important and it may be that you play music for a long long time and, and then God touches your heart and says you need to develop a help develop a core curriculum for the church that you attend because that's where you are in your season of life I don't know, but I know that God will work in your hearts. Larry's trying to figure out, okay, God, here I am. Where, where, are, you, where are you sending me? Where, where, where are we going? And if you're in that place of going, I'm not sure where God would have me, come and see me or one of those guys who raised their hands, we will help you with that. Our vision is, is, is to inspire people to fulfill God's calling in their life. That's what we want to be about, not just the place that we come. We want people to engage and become truly. It's not just that, that hashtag be you for him. It isn't just a thing. Be who you are, absolutely, but be who you are for the glory of God. That's what we want this church, us as a congregation, to be all about. And if you're like me, then you know good and well that, that you are not going to be able to figure all this out without some help. We're willing. We're willing. There's something that happens in the heart and eyes of a people when God grabs them, and I love when God does that. It's one of the things that I'm most passionate about. Another thing that I've learned over time is that sometimes being afraid of doing the wrong thing keeps us from doing anything. I don't, can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, you know, I just, I would have reached out, but I just didn't know what to say, and, and so I, I, just, I just didn't. I've got news for you. For those of us who do reach out, we don't know what to say either. We show up, we suit up, and we go, Help! And the Holy Spirit invariably shows up and helps us. And when we do that kind of thing, then God is part of that. If God is a part of that, you can trust, you know, you, you can trust that that's going to be okay. Suit up and show up. Don't let being the fear of being wrong stop you from doing anything. And the last thing for this morning is that I've also noticed that when we have our heart broken, it opens our eyes. I referenced that mission trip to Nicaragua some years ago, and I've been on several, but this was very powerful because there had been a landslide, and 
there had been a hurricane that came through and the volcano landslide and it wiped out villages. Thousands of people died. Thousands were displaced. They were literally living in the dumps. And Amigos for Christ, who we went with, their goal was to create communities from those people who are willing to move from the dump. And by living in the dump, I mean kids would gather food from what other people threw away. They, they built their homes out of scrap refuse that people threw away, and they built homes. And when we went down there, and we started working with those guys, and we had construction and DBS and a lot of things going on, we began to see hearts get changed. And when we came back and we, s- and we presented to the congregation, here's what this looked like and, and, and what it was that we did down there. This was actually the upgraded, the Champas, w- that was their upgraded homes that they were living in. Hearts got broken and they came back and they looked at the pictures and lives weren't the same. And, and we interacted with these guys and you know who else changed? We did. We realized that all the stuff that we have here is not nearly as important as what we thought it was when we first went down there. When we go to Puerto Rico, we're going to encounter some people and, and our hearts are going to be touched. And when hearts get broken and hearts change, you want others to experience that. It opens your eyes to to truly see those around you. So the first step, though, is that we have to be willing to get uncomfortable and to do something. I woke up this morning saw a world full of trouble now i thought how do we ever get so far down and how's it ever gonna turn around so i turned my eyes to heaven i thought god why don't you do something well i just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty children sold into slavery the thought disgusted me so i shook my fist at heaven i said god why don't you do something
what can we do around here to impact others? In your bulletin, you have this form, and I believe it was in last week's as well. And we didn't get many back, so <laughs> uh, if you would take uh, some time to fill this out. What this is, is uh, a communications form, because one of the first things is that we need to let you know the things that are going on around here. So each ministry area, if you're interested in having updates from that ministry area, just check that box, put your email on there, your name on this form, and there's some more in the back if you didn't get one, um, so that we can be in contact with you, because we know that part of our job is to let you know the things that are going on around here. But there's a lot going on around here. There's youth mission um, that's, that's coming up. Please be in prayer, support the fundraising efforts that we have going on with that Wednesday night youth. Uh, just come show up. Polly Holt come hang out with us last week. It was the coolest thing. These kids are worth hanging out with. You know, spend some time. Any of y'all want children in youth ministry to grow? Okay, so are you engaged with them? Don't have to answer that. Let's engage in, in children in youth ministry to support what we're, what we're doing. Um, in the fall, we're going to do what we're calling worship on Wednesday, and, and so we're going to transform Wednesday night into a, an experience that, that will be for the whole family. Um, we're going to need some help with that along the way. Uh, we need facilitators for small groups. We're starting what we call the core curriculum piece is starting in the fall. And um, so we're going to have some training where one of the things that we recognize is that we want to support folks in the ministry and mission that they do. So, so we'll, have some, we'll talk about what it means to be a facilitator, and you will not be on your own. You will have a coach or a connection person that you can go to to just talk about if something happens in a group and you don't know what to do then we want to give you a resource to be able to do that. You see a lot up here, communication, sound tech, prayer team, meal team. There's a lot that goes on around here that we can plug into. And that's not counting the stuff that God has laid on your heart that you just haven't gone said yes to yet. Because there's other stuff that, that God wants to do in this place. Is drama team up there? Yeah, okay. I'm just saying. You know, the song, uh, we've used that video before, but, you know, Matthew West was waiting on, you know, God, why don't you do something? He did. He created you and me. So let's embrace that and live that out.